Hi, and welcome to Crossing the Line Podcast. This is Natalie. Thank you so much, everybody, for... Um, first off, I wanted to start by saying thank you to everybody who's been listening. Um, I do have some family that um, that I have always supported me no matter what. And so I just wanted to reach out and thank them and thank you, the listener, for listening to these podcasts. Um, the next thing I wanted to mention was, was that if you don't know and if you're not tapped into the narcissistic um, world, if you want to put it that way, there is what's known as World World National Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day or World Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day, I believe that it is, W-N-A-A-D is the letters for it. And that day falls on June 1st every year. So this Saturday, June 1st, um, is the, I believe it's the third annual World Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day. And just a thought to maybe get on the website, WNAAD.com. That's WNAAD.com. And you can sign up um, to register for this conference. And you can listen to various speakers. I'm going to try and get on there this weekend. And as I'm, as I'm receiving the podcast in my email, I'm going to try and take some notes and then be able to kind of give a little bit of a summary of those speakers and what they talked about. This is my third year, um, third out of three years that I've been listening to them. They also have um, ways that, that, you know, you can talk about World Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day and, and you can, they sell coffee mugs and bags and shirts and tank tops and sweatshirts. So please take a look at that website and see what you think. And also it's free registration. It doesn't cost a thing to register. You would just put in your email and then on Saturday then when they will hold it open for probably about 24 hours and you will be able to listen to the podcast for free. And then I think after that, it, it, it there is a price. So today I want to talk a little bit about um, narcissists, narcissistic people and some of the traits that they employ. One of them being gaslighting. Now I have on my phone um, some things that I had written down or at least had kept about gaslighting and gaslighting is the term is taken from the movie um, gaslight where a man actually um, did things to um, his wife that made her think that she was going crazy like she first the thing that I can remember I've never seen the movie but from what they've told me about it or what I've read he would dim the lights down and when the wife would say well the lights are dimmed down he'd say no they're not um he would, you know, put things in rooms and she would think that it was there and then she it, she would go into the room and it was there and she'd go back into the room five minutes later and it wasn't. I mean, this guy made it his mission to make this woman feel like she was crazy. And that's a little bit about um, gaslighting that one of the, which is one of the traits that narcissistic people do. And so what is gaslighting? Gaslighters which we would call those narcissistic people, systematically manipulate a codependence environment so they are powerless to fight back, isolated from anyone who could help them, and convinced their gaslit impairment makes them inadequate and unlovable outside their carefully choreographed false but realistic relationship with their captor. I probably would change the word codependent to target. Gaslighters systematically manipulate a target's environment so they are powerless to fight back, isolated from anyone who could help them and convince their gaslit impairment makes them inadequate and unlovable outside their carefully choreographed false but realistic relationship with their not captor, let's say abuser. So I like to use the terms abuser and target 
I think the word victim, and I think I've said this before, I think the word victim just gives too much power to these people to say, well, I'm a victim. Um, because in truth, narcissistic people actually make themselves out to be victims. So that's probably why I like to use the word target. It doesn't, it's not so demeaning to say that somebody is a victim. I truly don't feel that I can, like I'm a victim. I'm a survivor of it. That was just a little side note there. The second thing is, they implant narratives or revised and distorted versions of reality to weaken their victim, neutralize their defenses, and turn their own mind against them. That's probably, I can tell you the ways that I have been gaslighted um, throughout my childhood, namely being told lies about my father's family. That was one way that I was gaslit because they implanted that narrative and due to confirmational bias or whatever sort of indirect actions that my mother felt they were doing, um, it confirmed in her mind and therefore into our minds that they were bad and bad people. So that's a big one. Um, revised and distorted versions of reality, that's certainly the truth. Narcissistic people have what's known as flying monkeys. And I think I'll probably end up doing a separate podcast about that, about actual flying monkeys. These people are the people that do their bidding for the narcissistic person or for the abuser. And they too are being gaslit as well. And the issue with that is, is that they don't question it. They may think that it's wrong or may know maybe in the back of their minds that maybe what they're doing is wrong, but because they don't want to get hurt, they don't want to become the target, they then will silently agree with that person. So um, I think obviously, you know, gaslighting, that's, that's what keeps you making, keeps making you feel like you're crazy. So um, another term, the scheming gaslighter, we'll say abuser, the scheming abuser chooses a problem that either did not previously exist or was only a mild problem about which the target was already aware. The abuser carefully and methodically choreographs the target's environment so they repeatedly experience the staged problem. Again, for instances of gaslighting, you will hear what's so funny about these people is that they pretty much have the same traits and the stories that you hear are very similar. So these people, like I've experienced, obviously gaslighting in terms of narrating the reality or narrating my reality um, impairing what the reality is, distorting what the reality is. Obviously, that's done through manipulation. I've also had things misplaced. Um, for example, I can think of a toy that my son had when we, when we lived in the same house as my then husband and we were going through a divorce. So I would find or I would purchase a toy for my son and I would then, <clears throat> I would have it in his room. And so then the next day I would, or even that afternoon I would say, oh, I know where that toy is. And then I would go and look for it and it would be gone. And then the next day or the day after I would come back to that same spot and the toy would magically reappear in the spot that I left it. That's complete gaslighting. Another version of gaslighting is, <clears throat> sorry, is where um, one, one evening after a weekend, my son's, my older son's bedroom was complete, was in a complete disarray. 
I did not realize it until later that evening when I went in to check on his room and um, clothes were all strewn about. I, I took pictures of it on my phone because I had to show my attorney. Um, there were a bunch of things that were like, but the biggest thing is, is, is when I confronted my then husband about it, he basically said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't do that. Um, your son did it. And so that was, that was pretty crazy. And it just made me feel, it made me feel crazy because I knew that my son did not do that. I knew that my son did not leave his room that way. And his room was not left that way before I had left and came back. So that's another, another version of gaslighting. Um, I actually just had one this past Friday, which is crazy. I got correspondence from my ex-husband and he said that the shirt that our son had on was not his shirt, meaning that it was my shirt and I put the wrong shirt on him. Crazy, I know. I haven't received a gaslit email of that nature in quite some time. So just some random, random correspondence. Oh, well, uh, the shirt he has on isn't mine, and so it must be yours. And so no big deal. Just give us the right shirt, you know, at exchange, at our next exchange. To which I said, the shirt is yours. It's not mine. I, am, I do not wish to speak about this any longer. And, you know, I'll see our son at the next exchange. Really weird stuff. Um, it certainly does make you second guess yourself. Um, obviously now at this point, it's hard to second guess me. I may second guess myself a couple of minutes and then I'm like, no, wait, like this is stupid. So those types of things. And I know that it seems crazy and a normal person wouldn't do that, but these are the type of people that like to continually abuse people. Even if they can't directly abuse you anymore, they will do so through the children. And that's probably going to be a whole podcast on its own when we talk about narcissistic spouses, ex-spouses, and things like that. So, um, here's another one. An abuser seizes on staged moments by implanting a narrative to make the target feel guilt for what they did, shame for who they've become, and to believe they are unable to control the problem on their own. Over time, the scenario further, in, this scenario further inculcates them with insecurities and paranoia. When you experience gaslighting, whether it's manipulation, whether it's a manipulation by distorted reality, whether it's misplacing things, little things such as that, it truly does make you feel like you're crazy. They will, if you confront them about it, they will make you feel bad about it. Um, another example, at when I lived with my then husband, he would not do the laundry or like not do the dishes and that was something that he always did or at least helped with and obviously when we were going through a divorce like he would just leave the house a complete mess I would come home and the house would be a disaster and I would spend over an hour cleaning the house you know dishes laundry things like that and so I would always get really mad at him um, I would you know whether it was even the next morning and he just wouldn't, you know, clean the kitchen up or wouldn't clean up from breakfast or wouldn't clean up from when he made his lunch. And that was always really, really annoying to me. Though it may not be looked at as gaslit, he certainly made me feel like I was crazy for for being upset with him about it and acting like he never did anything wrong. And so then he would send me text messages saying, well, I just can't believe that you yelled at me this morning. And 
blah, 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 blah. I mean, the shaming. Um, obviously, he wanted that for his own documentation so that he could print it out and say, oh, look, see, I told you. And if you don't respond to them, then they automatically think that you are agreeing to them, which is really crazy. So those are just some, you know, those are some examples of gaslighting. Gaslighting can be done in many different ways. I was gaslit. Probably I had a gaslighting experience that was probably what the straw that broke the camel's back with me wanting to go no contact with my family. And a lot of times when people decide to go no contact with their family, meaning that they don't email them anymore, they don't do anything. Um, I tried to go low contact for a while, meaning like I just had boundaries and like I wasn't going to allow myself to just be subjected to their demands all the time. And so I did that for a short time and then just kind of realized, you know, I'm done. I I can't, I'm not, this is not good for my emotional health. It's not good for my mental health anymore. And so what happened was, was that there was a date for a holiday and I was told by my mother when we were going to do a holiday and holidays were always a huge deal for her every year because she wanted the whole family there and there was just no excuse as to why you couldn't be there. So I was told a day for a holiday get together. And so then I, in effect, thought that that was the day, um, or at least the weekend that when I had asked her. So then probably four or five days before that weekend, I get a message from my dad who said, oh, well, we're not doing that on that day. We're, we're, we're doing it on a different day. Um, I don't even think he even said that. I think he said, we're doing that holiday on a day, on on a day. And that day was a different day. And I said, well, I'm not quite sure when we ever agreed to this because I don't remember having a conversation about it. And I can't be there that day because my children, I won't have my children that day. And I knew that if we had talked about it, if that truly did happen, that I would have said, we can't schedule it on that day because I don't know if I'll have my children that day. So I know that that day was never scheduled. I would have never verbally agreed to that. So my message to my father was then as such. And so my dad said, oh, well, you know, you and your mom and your sister had a conversation that it was going to be on this day, which was the day that I would never have chosen. And so we'll see you then. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be there because my kids aren't going to be there. And so it turned into this whole deal because I wasn't aware that my mother's estranged family was having the holiday on the day that she changed it to. And so then what happened was, was that my dad was kind of like going along with whatever my mom said. I know it sounds really confusing and it, and it is, um, but it's almost kind of a gaslighting thing where they were like, well, don't you remember having that conversation? It's like, I would have never had that conversation. I would have never have agreed to that day because I didn't know if I would have my children that day or not. So it was kind of a big deal. And that was probably was what was like, told me to just stop. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not going to keep doing this. It All it leads is to major frustration and everybody has to change their plans all the time. And I just was like, you know what? I'm done. Um, and so that was kind of what, the very fact that they didn't admit, oh, well, I'm sorry, we did change the day. 
And if you can't make it, that's okay. Um, so that made it really hard for me. Um, I was really frustrated. I was basically towards the end of finalizing my divorce with my then husband. And so I had just had it. I was like, I'm done. I'm not dealing with these toxic and dysfunctional and manipulative people anymore. And I was very upset with my father for going along with what my mother had said. And so true, it wasn't some huge traumatic event, but it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. So those are my examples of gaslighting. I could probably think of a ton more of in terms of, you know, people trying to distort your reality, people trying to manipulate your reality. And I have tons and tons of, of research and, um, that I wanted to talk a little bit about, especially with, um, let's see, let's talk about when we talk about gaslighting, obviously we need to talk a little bit about, I'm looking here through my papers to see we can talk about I wanted to stop that recording um, so I could find the thing that I wanted to talk about. Since we were talking about gaslighting and holidays, let's talk a little bit about holidays and personality disordered people. So I think I kind of talked about this briefly, but I always know that when there's a holiday coming up, whether it's a hallmark holiday like Valentine's Day or Mother's Day, Father's Day, or an actual holiday holiday, you're always going to hear something from your abuser. You're always going to hear something from that narcissistic person. And it's pretty much, I can pretty much depend on it. I can pretty much expect it. Um, Just this past weekend was um, a a holiday weekend and I did not hear anything from my, um, I did not hear anything from my mother directly per se, but I did hear things from my ex-husband who is another abuser. And I actually heard that he was also abusing other people and just causing problems and doing whatever else. So holidays and personality disorder people, typical complaints. They hate your family. They pick a fight a week before you're supposed to visit, and then they refuse to go and get mad that they're alone. So that's a lot of what my mom did. She would pick a fight so that she wouldn't have to go to the holidays at my dad's house for the holidays. Two, they hate the holiday because it's too commercial and then they get mad when attention is not paid to them. At three, everything is a fight. And four, they play games with holiday drop-offs and pickups with the kids. That was something that happened before we actually had a a filed parenting plan in place where my ex-husband would change the times of holidays. He He would change them at the last minute It actually most recently happened just this past Thanksgiving when he wanted to change the time less than 24 hours. And again, when you go in, when I go into that podcast about actually trying to have a co-parenting relationship with him, things that you should do, things that you shouldn't do, and how to keep your boundaries. So why are holidays so difficult for personality disorder people? Control. So the holidays, they trigger this. They manage their anxiety by controlling others and everyone around them. This rarely works and typically creates a paradoxical effect 
where the more they try to control everyone and everything else, the more out of control they feel, which makes them more aggressive in their efforts to maintain illusory control. Anxiety is a powerful reminder that something is wrong with them. Hence the tactics, bullying, manipulation, guilt, shame, rage, etc. If you make them anxious, they will accelerate some form of self-created drama, conflict, slight, insult, etc. to put the kibosh on seeing them during the holidays. That's so true. Um, the holidays are something that are triggering for them. Um, with my ex-husband, he uh, was in the service for a short period of time. And he always feels like attention needs to be paid to him. Veterans Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day, those types of things. And he makes it about him, whether he'll post something on social media about his time in the service. He will, um, just this past weekend, you know, just causing problems because he wants attention and nobody's giving it to him. And he also wants to be able to have some control over a situation that he feels he has no control over. The second thing is, is buzzkill. They like nothing better than to keep others from having a good time, especially if they know it's something you enjoy. It's not enough for them to be sullen and angry. All of you need to be miserable too. It warms their hearts to ruin holidays and other special occasions for the nearest and dearest. Many of these people seem to have a glitch when it comes to experiencing happiness, joy, warmth, and goodwill that isn't transactional. They don't get it and resent the fact that other people have this capacity. This can be a control tactic. By destroying the things you love and care about and enjoy, they grind you down more, weakening you and making you an easier target. Alternatively, it's a form of withholding. These types get a charge from denying you anything pleasurable or would bring you happiness or discomfort, or happiness or comfort. That's pretty true too. I think the biggest thing is, is that they're very self-loathing people. They don't want to be happy and they don't want anybody else to be happy. And so they just start problems. And that's what they do. And unfortunately, there is no talking to these people. There is no explaining to these people about their behavior. They're just going to keep doing whatever they're doing anyways. The third thing is center of attention. They become unglued if they're not the center of attention. By escalating their bad behaviors during the holidays, they become the focus. Everyone walks on landmines to please them and make sure everything is to their liking, which is never going to happen. They're like small children. Any attention is good attention, even if it's negative attention. And that probably is the main thing. I would say the holidays that my mom really highlights probably even more than Christmas is Mother's Day and she really did that this past year it was absolutely insane it was to the point of histrionic to the way that she behaved on social media and I sometimes wonder what these people would not do what they would do if they did not have social media to have some sort of like way to communicate my mom does a classic with stupid crap posted on social media, whether it's a meme, whether it's um, the big thing now that, that she does is she'll, she'll do posts of her and her grandchildren, and it's always this big deal about, I have my grandchildren this weekend, or, you know, like somebody allowed her to be alone with her grandchildren, and so she likes to narrate this story to everybody, and she'll show the pictures of her grandchildren, obviously without my kids in there, and it's so funny because it's kind of like, okay, nobody's really asking like where the other kids are, meaning my kids. And she'll post these things as though she's entitled and that it's okay for her to be around her grandchildren. And that's her deal. I mean, it's, it's predictable. It's comical at this point where she does that because she's just trying to validate to herself and to everybody else that she deserves and she's entitled to be around her grandchildren. And let me tell you guys, no grandparent is entitled and no grandparent deserves 
to be around their grandchildren, especially if they're toxic, dysfunctional, personality disordered people. And that will be a whole other podcast as well. Nobody, nobody deserves to be around other people, especially if they're toxic. And why she wants to narrate this is that is the narrative that she has. The narrative that she has is she's the victim. She never, she never gets to see my kids. And so because of that, she then now wants to post all over social media, which she never really did before, of all of these, you know, times that she has with her, with the grandkids that she is allowed to see. And so again, it's predictable. And at this point, it's pretty much comical. The fourth thing is um, why they act this way over the holidays is unhappy childhoods. Perhaps they have horrible memories of the holidays and are compelled to continue the tradition in their adult lives. They don't see they have the ability to break the pattern and have a new positive experience. Misery loves company. They drag everyone else down with them. Spoiling the holidays for everyone else seems to make them feel better. Many of these people claim to have had perfect families and perfect holidays and then blame you for the holiday discord by saying it's your fault because you and your family are the ones with problems. This is projection. People with unhappy childhoods and a relatively happy family of origin experiences don't go into radioactive freefall after Halloween. On the contrary, they become cheery and festive this time of year. So that is the fourth one. So I'm going to stop the podcast there and we will continue on let me add a couple more things here about the holidays because I think that this is really important we talked a little bit about you know in in the holidays and personality disordered people you know why control buzzkill center of attention unhappy childhoods they basically thrive on chaos we may have a relative who delays making family gatherings when they do this it is because they enjoy making everyone's life havoc a function of high degree narcissism is having a continually chaotic life they might not actually enjoy their state of frenzy, but instead are driven off to give the impression to cover up their own feelings of despair and lack of importance. People high in pathological narcissism are likely to experience an, an extreme high of feelings that they rule the world, but when things don't go as planned, they become de- despondent and out of control. The de- disruption they cause in everyone's life is part of the pattern of needing to fuel their sense of self-importance. People high in pathological narcissism will be subject to feelings of a particular kind of depression characterized by anhedonia, feelings of worthlessness, nihilism and boredom with life. Along with dependence on feeling important, they would show variations in mood corresponding to their perceptions of whether other people are recognizing and applauding them. They also show greater emotional liability or more frequent variations in positive or negative mood. Oh my goodness, negative moods. Self-sacrificing, self-enhancement might be the facet of pathological narcissism that comes closest to the idea of trying to seem important by creating a sense of chaos. If you're working so hard on behalf of others, how could you be accused of trying to make your own self seem important that gives you kind of a little bit of why they thrive on chaos because they can they themselves have a continually chaotic life and they like to cause confusion and chaos in everybody else's lives and that is pretty much like describes my ex-husband to a t um he he thrives on changing the schedule and changing things and not not wanting to you know, keep things as they are. It's all about changing it up and doing it the last minute. And then when you don't agree to changing things the last minute, he then narrates it to himself and to other people that you're a rigid and flexible parent who doesn't work with him. When in effect, when you're wanting to change things, you know that you agreed to what was filed in the court, but yet you don't like it. And so now all of a sudden, um, this happens a lot over holidays where they'll try and change the times I think now with our change parenting plan, it's become less and less of an issue, but um, it certainly 
um, lends itself. I don't remember him. I mean, he tried to change things around Thanksgiving, but nothing happened over Christmas. It was, it was the same thing. It was, there was no changes done to it. There was no, you know, last minute schedule changes. It certainly happened that first year when we did have a parenting plan in place where he would try and change it. He would like try to make the schedule opposite or he would change it all at the last minute and he would send text messages at 630 in the morning you know, hey, can we change this? Hey, can we change that? And he would just act like it was no big deal when three weeks before, you know, thousands of dollars were spent to get a holiday parenting plan in place. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, we're not going to do it. And I just, you know, that's them thriving on chaos and that's them and that's how they are. I anticipate that Father's Day weekend, it'll probably be a big deal for him. Um, it'll be a big deal for him, um, like, for obviously military holidays and that's just to be expected with him so that's a little bit about gaslighting and um, narcissistic people around the holidays thank you very much for listening don't forget to listen to our disclaimer that is the first um, episode or at least the first podcast that I had downloaded so make sure you listen to that before every before you listen to every podcast and we will talk soon